Chapter 9. Her malady is fear, which is the most common illness there is. You would not believe how many customers it sends us. Charles Paul de Kock, Little Lise, 1860. I sometimes ask myself, Floss, Babette begins one day, eyeing a jumble of pill bottles. If I really need these, all doctors always say they are so important and write out prescription after prescription, but I wonder what would happen if I decided to flush the whole damned lot down the toilet. Do you know why I take them? Because deep down, I am afraid they just might be right. Sighing, she lifts a handful of multicolored capsules and swallows, chasing them with a gulp of mineral water. My professor suffers significant food scarcity issues. While shopping, she sweeps most any dryer canned goods on sale into her cart with furious abandon. After one such excursion, while putting groceries away, at last I find no more room in the kitchen cupboards. Babette! I exclaim. We had no need for more pasta. Look here. Ten packages still unopened, and you bought eight more. There just isn't room. And twelve new bottles of mineral water? Well, at least you drink that by the gallon. But more tomato sauce? Do you realize in the pantry downstairs I'm practically buried? This is ridiculous. Babette yawns. You must understand, Hoss. Once people experience true hunger, they will never trust a full larder again. I know it is difficult to imagine, but wartime deprivation stays with me, as if 1945 were yesterday. Whenever I see a store shelf brimming with food, I am filled with terror that perhaps if we return tomorrow, it may all be gone. Makes sense, I agree. There's nothing wrong with reasonable supplies on hand, but we can do a much more efficient job. Here, let me take basement inventory for a start. In my room, I count bottles, jars, cans, and boxes, tallying quantities on a pad of paper. Just when I think an end of the tomato sauce has arrived, more turns up. Reaching the back of shelving units more than two feet deep, I discover some cans have completely rusted out, their contents now fine odorless dust. I tie a bandana around my face and fight through clouds of ancient particulate. There are curious old-fashioned soup labels, strange preserves from Spain and Hungary, plus a multitude of unlabeled glass jars. Their contents swirl ominously when moved. Once this project is completed, I find Babette upstairs in her study watching French-Canadian news. She lowers the volume as I enter. So, here is my report. I begin. Six jars of pickles, seven cans of sardines, sixteen cans of consommé beef, ten bottles of ketchup, sixteen bottles of barbecue sauce, thirteen quart bottles and one gallon jug of vinegar, twelve bottles of chutney. Do you even like chutney? Four jars of wild thyme, two crates of Samos Greek dessert wine, which looks pretty delicious, I must say. Babette's fingernails tap on her chair's wooden armrests. She frowns uncomfortably. I continue. Ten bottles of salad dressing. Forty-eight. Let me repeat that. Forty-eight cans of tomato sauce. Do you realize I'm only counting the ones I didn't throw out? Wait, there's more. Stop, Babette sputters. I don't want to know. You have made your point. And we can't forget, I add, forty-four unlabeled canning jars with questionable contents. Do you have any idea what's in those? I would actually be afraid to open them. My professor rolls her eyes. Oh, yes, we used to can many things. I suppose it's all gone bad long ago. 
Perhaps you might dig a hole in the backyard and dispose of them that way. Uh, but please, be off. Such talk makes me feel quite unwell. In the garage, I find a long-handled spade, then select a spot between the pansy patch and wine grape ladder. I start digging. The soil is soft and turns over easily. When my hole is two feet deep, I carry out the jars. Direct sunlight reveals varied hues from brown to yellow and purple, arrayed against freshly mown grass. Trepidatiously, I select one and slowly unscrew the lid. It breaks free with a soft pop. Apple. The odor comes thick and powerful as if primeval winds disturb a thousand dead orchards. Shuddering, I pour this mixture into the pit. Other jars contain bulbous objects floating in murky fluid that could be scatological specimens from deep sea expeditions. Some release clouds of fruit vapor I identify as pear, peach, or cherry, but others are too decayed for classification. The trench is nearly halfway full before I shovel earth back in. I imagine this backyard, years hence, might ripen into a sinister bog where bubbles of fetid brew rise occasionally to the surface. Strange lights may flicker on warm summer nights from seeping gas, and neighborhood children will cringe at the smell. 